0: If you have Galatians chapter number 5, would you stand with me? We'll read together a couple of verses tonight. In Galatians chapter 5, we'll stand in honor of the reading of God's Word and, and just read through the end of the chapter. Galatians 5, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. If tonight I could just get you to look with me at the beginning of verse number 22, because it's there that I just want to share with you a couple of thoughts. There's three words that I want you to see, there's obviously nine fruit of the Spirit. But there are three that I want to mention and I want to make much of tonight. It's those simple words, love, joy, and peace. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you tonight that we can be in your house. What a privilege we have. And Father, for the Fellowship Baptist Church and for this dear pastor and his wife and family, what I pray a hedge, I pray a wall of protection around them. And Father, your greatest blessing would be upon their life and ministry upon these dear people, and Father, for the work that you desire to do here in Columbus, Ohio. And Father, I pray that you would help each of us tonight just to get a little glimpse of, a little greater glimpse of what we should be like, and of what we, what we want, what we desire in life. There's so many today, so full of the world, seemingly you have no place in their life. And Lord, we want to empty ourselves of us, and of the world, and of those things that uh, capture our heart. And may we tonight fill them with the things that will, will bless us, that will edify our life, and Lord, that will use, use our life for your glory. Well, thank you, Father, for all that you do, for we ask and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated if you would. Down in Atlanta, Georgia, there's a place called the Varsity. I don't know if any of y'all have ever been to the Varsity, but it's a, it's a greasy spoon type of a restaurant. Kay's mom and daddy dated there, one of their first dates. Is at the Varsity Restaurant in Atlanta, Georgia, right by Georgia Tech University. And uh, when you walk into the place, it's not much to look at. It's not much to not much to even see, but there's something about the food with the grease and that combination of what they call naked dogs, which are just hot dogs with nothing on them, and hamburgers and FOs, which are frosted orange milkshakes that will, as Tyler says, make your tongue slap your brains out. And you go in there, and when you walk through the door, the ladies are all there, and the guys are all there, and they say, what do you have? What do you have? And you look around, you think, what are you talking to me? What do you have? What do you have? What do you have? I mean, it's almost like they're, they're desperate to get your money. <laughs> they want to know, what do you want? What do you want? What do you have? What do you have? And, and every time I walk in there, it just kind of strikes you funny because all these people are lined up. I mean, there's probably 30 or 40 of them all screaming out what do you have? What do you have? Well, I liken that to the message tonight because I've entitled the message, what do you want out of life? Or what do you have? What do you want to have? What do you want from the Christian life? Dr. Frank Shiver years ago told my wife and I, he said, the average Christian is so full of the world today, when they come to the God's house on Sunday, there's no more room for God. And it's a true statement when you think about it. Now, I'm not your pastor. I'm not here to critique here I'm not here I don't know anything about y'all I just want to be a help be a blessing to you but I can tell you this if it's true in Graham North Carolina or if it's true in Orlando Florida I'm sure it's true here in Columbus Ohio there's so much of the world in our lives at times, there's no room for what God wants to speak to us about or what God wants to do in our life. There, that we come to church so full of everything else, and we hear the Word of God preached, and if we're not careful, the Scripture says, the wicked one will come and catch away that which has been sown. And what a shame, Pastor Tony, to think of all the hours that you study all week long in preparation for four messages. And people come and they hear the word, and the word is taken out of their ears, taken out of their heart. I want to tell you this tonight, what you want out of life is up to you. It's depending upon what you want and what you desire as a child of God. I realize I'm talking to mostly safe folk here tonight. So when I say, what do you have, it's up to you. It's not just up to the pastor. It's up to him to feed you and to give you something to take home that you may be able to, to live and you may be able to pra- put into practice in your life. But the reality is it's up to you what you want to have in your Christian life. It'd be nice if we could live vicariously through one another, through our church members as pastors, and give you everything that you need, but God never planned it that way. God planned for you to dig into your Bible, and for you to read the Word of God and meditate on the Word of God, and for you to pray, and for you to fall on your face, and for you to say, God, I want you more than anything. I want what you want, and God, I want my life to be what you want my life to be. God, use me. Use me at Fellowship Baptist Church. God, do something in my life. That's up to you. There was a night that Kay and I were very discouraged several years ago, and there was a man at the the hospital. We were making a visit together. It was late Saturday night, and I'll be honest with you, Pastor Tony. It was one of those Saturday nights I wasn't looking forward to preaching the next Sunday morning. We walked in the hospital that night and and this man who we call to this day our angel, his name was Paul, go figure, Paul came up to us and he began talking to us and he began saying some things to us that let us know very quickly that he was a fellow believer, he was a Christ follower. And uh, he told us of growing up in California, Uh, Dr. John MacArthur's daddy was his pastor in California. And he was praising uh, his pastor and talking about the things that he had learned through the years of life. And and he began all of a sudden, as we told him a little bit of our life and that I was a pastor and we were going through a hard time and whatnot. He said, Let me tell you a story about shipbuilding. And I thought, I don't want to hear about shipbuilding. I don't know how to build a ship, I like driving boats. I grew up in Miami, going fishing down on the Keys, and going out to the Dry Tortugas, and spending a couple of days out there and catching some grouper and snapper and dolphin, and, and I mean every kind of fish out there. In the world. But I didn't know a thing about building boats. And he said something to me that stuck in my brain to this day. He said, "You know, when they build a boat, the most important part of the boat—it's not the ribbing, it's not the sails, it's not the decking, it's not the ropes, it's not the things that you see on the outside—but it is the keel line." And I thought, what in the world is the keel line? He said the keel line is the most important part of the boat because everything is attached to the keel line. He said that's the most important part. That's where you start. That's what you begin with. That's the most important part. You see, it's nice to watch a, a sailboat on the, on the TV or out of the ocean and see it sailing out there and seeing the big sails go and, and the wind catch them and, and it go back and forth. But dear friend, that's not the most important part. The most important part is often the very thing that you cannot see. Pastor Tony was talking about it this morning. What do you do when your dreams are shattered? What do you do when your life is torn apart or torn upside down? I want to tell you what you do. You go back to the most important things. You go back to the Word of God. You go back to what what got you where you are. And, And so I want to ask you tonight, what is the most important part of your life and what do you want out of your Christian life? I read a survey a while back, and people gave three top answers of what they wanted out of life. Number one answer, happiness or joy? Number two, love. A deep, warm, abiding love. Number three, security or peace? That's what they wanted. Happiness, joy, they wanted peace and wanted to be loved. You know, if you don't get anything, would you get this tonight? The very thing that man is looking for is what God wants to give you. The very thing that people say, I want happiness, I want love, and I want, I want uh, peace, I want love, joy. The very thing that you need tonight, God wants to give you more than you even want it. say, so how can that possibly be? Because I'm going to tell you, God knows everything that you need long before you ever know it. God knows what's coming down the pike. God knows the next storm. God knows the next trial. God knows the next difficulty. God knows the next, uh, the next difficult thing that you're going to face, the next temptation, the next tough day. God knows the very next thing on the agenda for your life. And when you want happiness or joy or love or security or peace, God says, I want you to have that more than you even want it. Galatians 5.22. We read it a moment ago. The scripture says, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Joy. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? It's peace. You see, tonight, it's pretty cool that we we would say, well, the very thing that I I want, God wants to give me. You know, the truth of the matter is, many people come and live a very unhappy, unfulfilled, unyielded life to the Spirit of God. When, When Ephesians 5, 18 came along, and when that was penned under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that was not just some good idea. You know what it was? It was a command, as a matter of fact, there are two commands in that one verse. And be not drunk with wine, we're in a success. And we would make much of that and say rightly so, right? But the second command is just as important as the first command in that verse where the scripture says, what? Be filled with the Spirit. And I'm going to tell you something. Somebody walked in the back door right now inebriated and making a scene and loud and that the security guys would catch him and take him out the back door, wouldn't they? They would make much of that because they wouldn't want him disturbing the service. I mean, they would be kind and they would be nice about it, a Christian about it, but they would escort him out. Why? Because they would not want him creating a scene. But let me ask you this, what if a Christian came in the back door, not filled with the Spirit, would we throw that same person out? I don't think so. Probably because we couldn't tell just by looking at the outward appearance. But I can tell tell you how you can tell. You can listen to him talk. You can listen to them respond to the message. You can look at them and you can see. You, could, you can watch their demeanor. You can, when something happens at church that they don't like, you can tell it immediately because you see how they act. Well, I don't like that. Well, who asked you? <laughs> what, what, what happened about being filled with the Spirit and just being joyful and being glad and being excited and being happy? You see, I don't like everything. It doesn't matter. It ain't all up to you. You know who it really matters about? Him. A fellow one day was asked, he worked downtown Atlanta. A lot of my illustrations are from Atlanta. I went to college in Atlanta. Well, I asked him, he was working downtown on the underground system, Marta, and he was moving down there and there were people everywhere and they were mad. The buses were late, the, the cars were late and all that. And some lady was standing there beside the guy and she said, uh, she said boy, I bet these people get on your nerves. He said, no, they don't. He said, I bet bet when the people get mad, when the trains are delayed, they just give you a fit. He said, it doesn't matter to me. And there was one little window above his left shoulder where his boss worked. And his boss could look out that window and see what was going on. And as long as he was doing his job, his boss was happy. You know what he said to the lady? He said, there's only one person that I have to please in this whole group right here. Him. And I like in that sometimes we get to worrying about what everybody else thinks. Listen, one of my favorite verses, I I told Pastor last night, one of my favorite verses in the Scriptures, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. If you're doing what you're doing for the glory of God, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. If you're doing what you're doing because you love God and because you want to please Him, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Because one day you'll give an account to Him. i got to hurry, but I want to tell you some things tonight. Have you ever heard somebody say this? I didn't sign up for this. You ever heard that saying? If I'd have known it was going to be like this, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have ever done this. I wouldn't have ever gotten involved in this. I didn't sign up for this. Can I tell you, when you sign up, when you, when you become a child of God, there are many things you may not have expected. But God gives you the grace to live through. Listen, talk about shattered dreams a few years ago. I, I, you know what? Tyler wouldn't be here right now if, it, if my dream would have came true. Now, that's the honest truth. He wouldn't be here. I was paying my associate pastor $62,000 a year, and, I was to, and he'd left, and he went to go pastor church. I was going to hire Tyler and another guy and save 10 grand, and the church didn't want to do it. I said, y'all are nuts. <laughs> but I, I, when, whenever, when all that went down, I just backed up, Tyler backed up, and we said, well, God's got another plan. And as bad as I wanted my son to work for me, and as bad as I knew that, and I believed in my heart God was in it, God had another plan. God took him to Solar City for two years, and then God brought him here. Can I tell you this? If I had had my way, he wouldn't be here right now. But you know what I believe? I believe he's right in the center of God's will for him and Kayla's life. And to pastor, I say thank you. Because here he is now, serving God. Can I tell you, only God can take the, the brokenness of life, and, and when the things happen in life that we don't normally want, or that we don't want to have, God, only God can take those things and make something good out of it. I want to ask you tonight this, what do you want out of life? You know what Jesus said in John 10, 10? He said, I've come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. I've come that you might have life and and so many are living subnormal lives. I, I was asking Tyler the other day, and I, I won't use somebody's name here. He didn't give me anybody's name. But I said, Tyler, who is the man or who is the woman in your church that I mean they're always happy and they're always excited. And, and if you ask them how you doing, they say, Good. Even if you know that they're not doing good and they're not, they're not, maybe things are not going well in their life. I said, Who is the guy or who is the person? He didn't tell me anybody, not that he couldn't. I started thinking, I, don't, I really don't even want to know. But I can take you to Lancaster, California tonight, and I can introduce you to a man that I met years ago, and that man, I promise you, I know he's had heartaches and struggles in his life, he's had, he's had problems in his life, but every time I've met that man, and my wife knows who I'm talking about tonight, he's been the most precious, the most encouraging, the, mo- the kindest, the most supportive of his church and his pastor, and he serves, I might say if there's a piece of trash on the ground, he picks it up. I'm going to tell you, if there's something that needs to be done, he volunteers. I'm going to tell you, if the pastor needs to go to the airport, pastor, I'll take you. If there's anything that pastor out there needs, he's the first one to do it. And you know, it's not a a sham. It's It's not just a phase he's going through. Every year, year after year after year that I go there, he's the same. You know what I think? I was thinking, that seems so abnormal at times. And the problem is today, what seems Normal has become abnormal, and what is abnormal has become normal. Can I tell you something? When the choir is singing and and the choruses are being sung and the hymns are being sung, it is very normal for you to have a smile on your face and be enjoying what music is coming from the platform. And when the preacher is preaching, to be able to say amen, you know why? Because in the South they say, saying amen to a preacher is like saying Sick him to a bulldog. Sick right? Amen? amen? Can I get a witness? Yes, amen. This guy, every time I see him, he's the same. And you know what he does? He rubs off on others. Because you know what he wants out of life? Since the day that he got saved, he ain't ever got over it. You know what some of our problems are? We got over it. Well, bless God. I'm going to heaven. Well, bless God. My family's saved, amen. It doesn't matter about anybody else's family because my family's in. What about everybody else's family? What about these little boys and girls here in the front row? What about all them little kids that came up yesterday that the a Grand Prix? What about the 1,440-something that came to church last Saturday, Sunday? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Let me wrap this up here. Let me give you, I'm going to give you three thoughts I'm done. What do you want out of life? Do you just want to be the status quo Christian? Or do you want to be somebody who glorifies God, who wants what God wants, and won't settle for anything less. Unyielded should not have, be in our vocabulary at church. Grieving the Spirit of God should not even be something that we, we even think about. The traits that I want to I say a few things about tonight ought to be applicable to every one of us in life. Let me, let me just say a couple of things. Number one, love. What does, it, what does love mean? Look to Romans 5 with me for a moment. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Romans 5, 1 through 5. If I could just read it to you here. Look at what the scripture says. It says, therefore, being justified by faith. Notice you'll find all three of the the things we're speaking about tonight, the three fruit that we're speaking of tonight in these verses. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace With God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, the Scripture says, In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. How many of you are thankful that Christ died for you? But you know what? I want you to see this tonight. And that is, God, who has given to us his amazing, incredible grace, he has given to us and he has taught us the reality of what love truly is. If I was to say to you tonight, John 3, 16, every one of us could say that verse just about. You know why? Because it's a very popular verse. Who doesn't want to think that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I want to believe that, and I believe it, and I preach that. because Why? Because it's in the Bible. You know what? When, when, when you and I as a Christian talk about love, it's not just something that we, that we just conjure up because we have feelings for somebody. I want to tell you this tonight. What the Holy Spirit wants to produce in your life is love that flows from him. It's love that flows from a relationship with him. Listen, you can love people that you wouldn't in the flesh love when you're a child of God. Right? You can hug people. You can love people. You can can relate to people that you wouldn't normally associate with. Because you know what I found? Sometimes some strange people come into our Baptist churches. (laughs) Amen? But I want to tell you tonight, it doesn't matter how much they got in the bank. It didn't matter what kind of clothes they wear. It didn't matter what they drove in the parking lot. What matters is, is there a soul that Jesus Christ died in love for? You know what the world says about love? Here's what the world sings about love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. Not bad. The world says, what's love got to do with it? The world says, you've lost that loving feeling. The world says, I just called to say I love you. The world says, I want to know what love is. The world says, love will keep us together. Can I tell you this? probably the truest of all of them. What's going to help us through the hard times of life? And what do you want out of life? To have a love that has been infused through your spirit from God that reaches into other people's lives. That's truly what matters, Church. It's the love that God produces in our life. Romans 5 is not about some cheap, sensual, selfish love. It is a deep, warm, satisfying love that every heart craves. The most natural desire in the world is to want to be loved. Can I tell you, the Lord has given to us so very much. When I think of the, the scriptures we read a moment ago, when I think of that tribulation in chapter, or verse number 3 of chapter 5, when, when I think of the, the hope that it's speaking of, And the hope that maketh not ashamed. And and verse 5, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. You know what I say? I don't know why God loved me, but I sure am glad that he did. And I can tell you this. When he reached down for me, he had to reach reach way down for me. Just like he had to reach down for you. I want to tell you tonight, listen to me. There's something that every one of us could do a better job at, and that is let the Holy Spirit of God produce love. A genuine love. But look at that second thought very quickly, and that is the word joy. First John 1, would you look with me there? First John 1, verses 1 through 4. First John 1 and verses uh, 1 through 4. If I could read this to you very quickly. The scripture says this. It says, uh, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness uh, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you and, and that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and the, with His Son Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your what? That your joy may be not just a little teensy bit, but that your joy may be full Can I ask you, when you come into God's house, do you expect God to do something yes or no? Yeah, I expect that if there's any lost people that they would get saved. But you know, do you expect God to speak to your heart? Do you expect God to change your life when you come? It's that process of getting getting the world out and getting getting what God wants in our life. If you want to have joy, you can't bombard your life with the flesh and the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the product You can't fill your life with all the junk. You know you know why kids make great deci- decisions when they go to camp. You know why? Because they they get away from the TV and they get away from the music and they get away from the girlfriend, boyfriend and all that kind of stuff. And after about the third day, they start kind of warming up to the things of God again. It generally takes about two or three days to get that much of the world out of them. And then they make the greatest decisions of their life on that third, fourth, and fifth day. I'll never forget going to the wilds camp when I was a a 10th grader. When God began to speak to my heart about ministry a long time ago in 1981, we got on that school bus, yellow school bus, in Miami, Florida, and drove all the way up to Taylor, South Carolina to go to the wilds. And I remember the guy getting up there and giving us the rah-rah talk that first day, and he said, the problem with you teenagers are you're apathetic to the things of God. And I thought, who does this guy think he is? I just rode on a school bus all the way from Miami, Florida, all the way up here to come and hear him preach. But then I started realizing that he was talking directly to me. You're apathetic, you're, you're, you're just not really in tune with what God's trying to say, but you know, my, my heart changed after the first couple of days and I began to really take in and soak in what he was saying after those first few days. And God began to get a hold of my heart. And I began to have and experience the joy that had been really lacking in my life. Like most teenagers, I went home, got rid of a bunch of junk that was in my life, and from that time to this day, I never look back and God started doing some amazing things in my life. But you know what it took? It took getting underneath the hearing of the word of God. And it took getting some things right in my life for me to experience that joy. Can I tell you, when I told my parents that I wanted to go into the ministry, you know, my mom said, well, that's great. That's good. My stepdad said, you'll never have anything. You'll never, you'll, you'll never have as much as I had. And, and, but you know what? God had already done such a work in my life, it didn't matter. Because all I wanted was to have the peace. I wanted to have the love. I wanted to have the joy that God wanted to use my life. And I was nobody. Still not. But I'm so grateful for what God brought about in my life. Psalm 1611, in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. You know what? I can't wait for that time. I'm enjoying living the Christian life now, and we should be. But what about the day when we stand face to face before our Savior and we live in his presence for all of eternity? I don't know what I'll do. I don't know if I'll dance. I don't know if I'll shout. I don't know what I'll do. But I know one thing. I'm going to sure be grateful because he saved an old sinner like me. You know, every time I get around my pastor, who now I get, to, I get to preach to on Wednesday nights, my pastor growing up in Miami started a church in 1956. Him and his wife went down to Miami and started a church with two ladies, and in a few years, the church was running a couple thousand, had a Christian school of 1,500. But every time I get to preach in front of my pastor, he comes over to me, he's now 85 years old, and he says, good message, Rick, good message. And you know what I do? I hug him. And I go up to his ear and I whisper in his ear, Thank you, Dr. Janney, for having a vision, for having a burden to come to Miami, Florida, and start this church so that I could get saved. I've never got over that. And I want to tell him every time, Thank you for your willingness to follow God. What do you want out of life tonight? What do you want from God? What do you want to do with the rest of your life? What, you say, well, my life's mostly over. No, it's not. It's the first day of the rest of your life, tomorrow. What are you going to do with it? Lastly, let me say this, and that is simply the peace that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in your life. If you just look with me to Philippians, very quickly. Philippians, chapter number 4. Philippians 4 and verse number 7. The scripture says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I wrote in the margin of my Bible, not only will he he help you through which passes all understanding, but the misunderstandings too. Sometimes there's things that I just don't understand. God, why? God, why me? Why this? Why this circumstance? But you know what? The peace of God is good through every circumstance and every situation of life. It's good for us all. That peace that Christians have like no one else has. The peace that we experience that, that, we, that we can't even hardly explain. You say, I don't know the last time that I've had peace in my life. Can I tell you this? If you're saved tonight, I know you've had peace at least for one moment in your life. The moment that you asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, I've yet to meet somebody who just got saved and didn't have peace. Dear friend, when God takes away your sin, he gives you the greatest gift that you've ever been given. The gift of eternal life. Aren't you glad tonight that God loved you that much? That he gives you the gift of everlasting life? Aren't you glad that he he says to you that he wants you to rejoice in the Lord? He says rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Can I tell you tonight peace comes when you learn to accept that God does take the broken pieces of your life. And make something wonderful out of it. Let our gentleness be made known unto all men. The scripture says the Lord is at hand. Let our, let our peace, let our gentleness be made known. The Lord is at hand is not telling us that he's coming soon, but rather it is indicating that he is right there with you waiting and wanting to give you a hand. I want to close by saying this tonight. A great statement that I hope you'll remember. Right praying plus right thinking plus right living leads to peace. You can hashtag that right there, okay? Right praying, right thinking, right living, leads to peace. When I pray right, I say, "Father, as the pastor said this morning, Jesus said, "Not my will, but thy will be done." Right thinking says God, you can do anything in my life that you want to do with my life. It doesn't matter. My life is yours." Right living says, God, I want to be clean. I want to live before you a clean life. And you know what? When you pray right and you think right and you live right, it'll always give you peace. Let me ask you a question. When you lay your head down on the pillow tonight, are you going to be able to lay down and go to sleep quickly? Some people can. You know why? Because their life's clean. Because there's no sin in their life. Because they they know that everything's right between the Lord and them. I'm going to tell you there's nothing like it. I read the other day that the average person falls asleep in seven minutes. Do you know that's not true for somebody, especially a child of God who's living in sin? Because they start hashing and rehashing all the things in their life. And I tell you something, maybe tonight you're here and you've got some secret hidden parts of your life and you've been hiding them for a long, long time. Maybe tonight God's saying to you, I want to give you peace. Why don't you come clean with God tonight? Why don't you just say, God, you can take it, and 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 I'll surrender. Raise the white flag up and say, God, I'm yours. God, I don't know what what else to do but to surrender my life to you. I want to tell you that will be the greatest day of your life. Peace with God is the result of having faith in Christ. Stress and worry are not in the child of God who are filled with peace. And you can have the peace that passes all understanding. Do you believe that? I can't explain it, but I can tell you this. God's goal for your life is maturity, not materialism. It is holiness, not happiness. And it is giving, not getting. God wants you to mature in love, joy, and peace. He wants you to grow in holiness and love. I mean, loving people as God would love them. Uh, Loving people and, and being joyful, being happy in the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord. In his pureness. Peace that comes from living and following in the footsteps of Christ. I'm going to tell you something. We have a wonderful Savior tonight who was sinless. And he wants us to follow in his steps and have that peace that passes all understanding. And then God wants you to give. He wants you to give some love. There's, you can, t- Brother Tony, you can walk into a church, I did it this morning, and you can tell the, the temperature of the church within five minutes. I promise you. It, it can be the north, it can be in the north, it can be in the south, it can be in the east, it can be in the west. But when people are in love with Jesus Christ, you can tell it. May that be the testimony of our lives every single day. What you want the most is what God is already looking to provide for you. And I want to challenge you with that thought tonight. You say, how, how do you know these things? Well, can I tell you just one personal illustration, I'm done. The last 18 months, the Lord has taught me more things probably than all the previous years of my, of my Christian life combined. I was saved in March 1981. And I can honestly say that from the time that I, I, I got saved, that I, I didn't look back. I remember the day I got rid of all the junk music out of my life. I got rid of all the, 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 the uh, relationships that I shouldn't have, shouldn't have had. And from that day forward, God began to do a great work in my life. But when, I, when Kay and I and our children that were left at home, when we set out on this adventure of our life, I had no idea what God was going to teach me. I had a comfortable salary. I turned down a, a position at a church making more money than I was making. It wasn't about the money. But God began to, to take us through a, a process that we're, we're still in. But I can tell you this, though it hadn't been easy, Kay could testify, she'll probably give you some testimonies about it. It's been one of the greatest times in my life because I've learned that God truly does love me and that God truly does want me to live every day as it might be my last day. So I can be joyful in, even in the difficulty. And with a piece, a piece that I can't even begin to explain to you, how on paper it doesn't make sense that we've made it the last 18 months. I promise you. How we've made I don't know. But we hadn't missed one payment. <laughs> we sure hadn't missed any meals. <laughs> uh, God's been better to me than I deserve. And I want to tell you this. When you go through difficulties and you go through trials, you have a greater appreciation of things that we oftentimes take for granted. You know what I'm talking about? Don't take for granted your salvation. Don't take for granted the sweet Holy Spirit who wants to fill your life. Don't take for granted the church that you have, the staff that you have. Don't let there have to be some tragedy for you to appreciate what what you've got now. Thank the Lord for what you have. And grow in that grace, like the verse says around the corner on the wall right there, 2 Peter 3.18, grow in grace and thank God for what he wants to do in your life. He wants to fill you with love, joy, peace, all the other fruit of the Spirit too, but I'm just talking about three tonight, love, joy, and peace. So I ask you the question, what do you want out of life? What do you want?